Welcome to Real Black Content is Foreign Podcast. This is Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about the spirit of influence. We're going to talk about history. And you know, in this conversation, being that we're going to talk about the spirit of influence, we're going to have to talk about one of the great ones, right? You know, we're going to talk about our brother MLK. Yeah, he is, um, you know, beloved, he is one of the few people from the village that it looks like that the great spirit gave our brother a double portion, man, because he had that. <laughs> he definitely had the spirit of influence on him. And it's only a few I can think of that had it that way. I mean, he's talking about the 20th century. I can think about what. Let's see. I can. Garvey had it. Elijah had it. Uh, Malcolm had it. The brother minister out of Chicago, he definitely has it, right? But we also know that MLK had it, right? Our brother, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., had, in our estimate, a double portion of the spirit of influence on him, right? And we know that our brother have made his transition and he's no longer here he has become an ancestor so we want to say peace be upon him his legacy what he stood for his family and we're just going to have a conversation on his association right because um you know beloved when we're dealing with our open enemy it's an age-old setup that they do with us, right? Small hats have historically, in relationship with our people, have figured out a way to connect themselves to our talent, right? They have figured out a way to connect themselves to our influence. And if you're not careful, they act as a guide to our influence that the great spirit had put on us right dig that you know what i mean there's a relationship that our brother mlk had that's often not talked about because typically that's kind of like how the story goes you play the front the small hat is in the back and you don't see them so you can't have it there's no discussion on them. There's no conversation on them. But we're going to have a conversation on one today, right? Because there was a small hat in the back of our brother, MLK, and his name was Stanley Livingston, right? And this is a man that helped write the speeches and he raised the funds and he prepared the brother tax returns, right? He did our brother King's tax returns and he organized the events. But most importantly, he acted as an advisor to our brother, right? And, you know, like we always say, that's the age-old thing. They connect themselves to our talent, man. And when you look at the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., it is not hard to see that he was brilliant from the beginning. He was headstrong from the beginning. I mean, academically strong from the very beginning. Beloved, our brother, after graduating high school at 15, he went to college. He went to Morehouse. 
that's almost unheard of graduating at 18 right went to seminary school or theology school and at 19 he was already an ordained minister so the brother was on fire he was definitely mlk was on fire and when we talk about him in the village because he have made the history books right he got his flowers he has his own day everything streets and every inner city is named after our brother but really when you look at the work when you look at the accomplishments when you look at the achievements we only put our brother in that 13 year window because that's what he built his whole legacy off just the 13 year window off 1955 with him including himself in that bus boycott which we know uh, with our sister that was him she didn't want to get up out the seat for the devil you know what I mean uh, <laughs> Rosa said no nah, man go on about your business so from that 1955 bus boycott all the way up until the time he was assassinated in Memphis which is 1968 that's that 13 year run that our brother had and he got worldwide notoriety off that work the conversation that we're going to have today is direction your target your goal and we're going to focus beloved on a word that was given to one of our greats mlk and that word is called racial equality right and you know beloved this is the importance of you got to be very careful who is in your circle you got to be very careful of who is advising you because if you're not if you're not careful beloved the advisor that you have on your team they have an agenda and their people have an agenda and if, again beloved if you're not careful they can slip in their goal or their agenda into your village and make it your goal and make it your agenda because they don't have the spirit of influence on them your people which is our people it seems like we have always had the spirit of influence on us and the village beloved sometimes i feel like we just don't sit back and ponder on that power beloved we just don't do it and when we get that power it's always somebody that connects themselves with us typically them these small hats and they change the direction of our power which is the influence and they use it for their bidding for their upliftment not so much as ours but just think about the term famous right and we just had a you know we just having a conversation and if i came to you and we start talking about the 50s and the 60s if you ask anybody just to name any national known figure from that time everybody going to know who mlk is everybody no matter what's the background what's the ethnicity this brother is known worldwide right but if we just having a conversation if you ask me who was the most popular mexican american at that time i would know the most popular turkish american at that time or arabian american at that time or or small hat for that matter i wouldn't know that's how big that mlk was 
he's a he was a worldwide figure so beloved if a man that's a giant in statue you know he had that magnetic attraction whatever he stood next to beloved it gained the spotlight it gained attention again he stood next to the montgomery bus boycott it was a spotlight he had an organization the sclc he said as president in his organization they got the spotlight the birmingham campaign spotlight march on selma spotlight everything he did in the civil rights movement with voting rights and spotlight you know so much so man the brother light was <laughs> it was they had to give him they put him in first of all they put the brother on the cover of time magazine as man of the year we're talking about 1963 then he as the youngest person in american history right he won the nobel peace prize so they had to give him that bag early because when you win that nobel peace prize i think that come with a check like 50 something thousand dollars and we talking about in the 50s and 60s that's a real real bag but what did our brother do after he got that big boy check because i'm thinking 50,000 at that time right just think about the the economics Martin Luther King Jr. as a pastor made like $8,000 a year. You know what I mean? Because $8,000 a year in the 50s and 60s, that might be the day like 60, 70,000 because you can go get, you know, for a nickel, you can go get all kind of groceries for 5, 10, 15 cents. And you know what I mean? It, it, it was some money. So to get 50 bands for that Nobel Peace Prize, but you take the money and you donate it back to the mission. You put it back into the civil rights movement. That says a lot about your character as a man. And then again, we see somebody from another village, the small hat, he found his way where he got next to you and connected himself with your movement, your talent, your influence. And that man, again, his name is Stanley Livingston, right? So much so, beloved, that we know our brother King for what? We know him for the I Have a Dream speech. This is what makes him famous. This is what puts him in the history books. But you know, King was in front. But the ghostwriters in the back that was painting the speech is the small hat Stanley and a brother named Clarence. So this is the, again, beloved, the age old game of you being in the front and they being in the back and it seemed like no matter what industry we get in whether it's entertainment whether it's social work because look at our organizations it's all the same NAACP WB Du Bois is in the front Roy Wilkins in the front Julius Rosenwald was in the back same thing with the Urban League George in the front Ruth in the back the SCLC and many other of our organizations that our people was a part of, beloved. But you know, you can't let the enemy choose your destination. You can't let the enemy attach themselves to you and give you your target. Because what's good for them is not necessarily good for you. And what they thought at that time was good for our people was something called racial equality. Right? Just think about the term racial equality. What does that even mean? Racial equality. 
right? You, you're fighting for the rights to do something. And what was that something? But just look at the term racial equality. And then you look at the advisor, one of the advisors, because the small hat, you know, he's he got the real financial connections. You don't get these organizations just because love and you able to get in the room and somebody got to pay for that room. <laughs> so when they start paying, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's going to get tricky because the agenda is going to change a little bit. That's why we see our brother MLK. He was very comfy and cozy with a lot of rabbis and he's speaking on a lot of issues that had this, you know, something to do with Israel. And he was, you know what I mean? Because that comes with your association. Because somebody is financing your movement. But if they're financing your movement, beloved, they're going to eventually start telling you where to move and where not to move. You know what I mean? So just think about the other ethnicities for a minute. You ever seen Mexican-Americans? Do you see a small hat next to them advising them? What about the Arabian-Americans? Or the Asian-Americans? When was the last time you seen a group of Asian-Americans and one of the advisors or somebody that connect themselves to their talent is always a small hat? Do you see that with Asians? You don't see that with Asians. You only see that with us. Isn't that interesting how that works? You only kind of see that with us. We see George Lopez in the spotlight and we but when you start looking at the Mexican American awards and all that, when you start looking at all their ages and all that, you don't see the small hats connect themselves with them. The other ethnicities, the Turkish brothers running around here, they don't connect, they're not advisors to them folks, but they always figure out a way to connect themselves with us, right? So much so that during the civil rights era, they came up with a new scheme. The devil went in the room thought about an idea he came up with a new scheme and in 1963 a devil named Stephen Currier he had a plan that bought him maybe four or five years and he created an outfit a uh, umbrella outfit and it was called the Council for United Civil Rights Leadership and what he did with this umbrella organization is that he took all the Negro organizations and he put that underneath them because at the time, Dr. King was such a dynamic speaker. The aura of the brother, he was an amazing fundraiser. Yeah, you see the protests, you see the boycotts, but there was money behind that because everybody was, he was a money magnet. He raised money like it was, it was no problem for, to raise any money, right? So with this new umbrella outfit that the devil Stephen Currier made, he put all the Negro organizations underneath that umbrella. So SCLC is underneath it. And the NAACP is underneath it. And SNCC and CORE and Urban League, they all underneath this one banner. And they're out in the front. But in the back of this organization, the title of the Council for United Civil Rights Leadership, it's the Ford Foundation, beloved. It's the Rockefeller Foundation, beloved, making the donations to keep everything going. And this also kept the jealousy down because you can imagine if King is on top, all the other Negro leaders is jealous of him because he's going to get all the money for his organization. But when the small hat is advising you, not only King, but other Negro leaders, what that tends to happen is that everybody got the same bullseye 
everybody got the same dartboard everybody got the same target and it's not enough room for all these negro organizations beloved to be fighting racial equality but that was part of the hustle because they had our people looking at racial equality not financial equality not economic equality no they they didn't put you on that page that's not the page they needed you on they put you on the page of the equality that's racial so if you just think back at that time how many of the other ethnicities was out there fighting for racial equality what does that mean I, I always ask my like what does that mean is black folks equal to the Asians in America is black folks equal to the Mexicans and the so called white folks in America and the Turkish and the small hats are we equal what is racial equality because the rest of the ethnicities they didn't want no part of that because they was too busy fighting for financial equality and because our advisors of our organizations with small hats that's the target they did not give us so everything was damn near anti-economic because we didn't make no benefits we didn't do nothing we just fought racial equality so that means the target that our advisors that were small hats gave us was segregation segregation became our village enemies right that's the enemies of our people segregation but what's the solution the small hat said desegregation is the solution so what did that mean we took into action with all of our organizations and we fought to desegregate the lunch counters and the movies and the bathrooms and the schools and the hotels and the buses and then the small hats and devil said listen you guys need some voting rights you need to go fight for that so we went out and started fighting for the voting rights because racial equality was the goal segregation was the enemy so what we had to do was go out and desegregate everything right but what that did beloved was it created a new revenue stream for small hats and devils that's all it that's all it did it didn't make us no richer it didn't actually it cost us money we, we didn't make no money from off that right because now we can go spend our money at lunch counters we don't own restaurants we don't own gas stations that we couldn't take our car to before they, they, they didn't want no negroes that we couldn't take our vehicle there to go get, get gas now we can we can take our vehicle there to get gas now so we're spending money with these filling stations that we couldn't go to before and we go into the movies and we're spending our money at hotels that we don't own so we can let our hotels that we put together close because we don't need them no more. You know we can ride anywhere in the bus in the front in the back and but we still own the bus spending money the plan wasn't to go get your own bus system because that what you call financial equality the plan wasn't to get your own hotels or get your own schools and get your own movie theater get your own lunch counters no that wasn't the plan beloved they didn't your advisor didn't give you that plan he gave you the racial equality plan that's why when you look at those old films and 
photos and you don't see no Asians there. That sand nigga, he ain't that. He's not interested in going to them folks' lunch counter because he he said he hung around the devil and they're nasty. They're, they're, they're not the most clean people, so he don't care for them folks cooking their food no way because the sand nigga say that the devil can't cook no way. The Mexican brother, the brown brothers from Colombia and Mexico and Puerto Rico, they say the goddamn devil, he can't cook no way, so we ain't fighting our way into his lunch counters and restaurants. He don't want us there. We ain't gonna even worry about it. We gonna make our own restaurant. We ain't gonna. We not worried about that. Black folk, y'all can have that fight. We don't. We not interested in that. Black folks, y'all can have that fight. We not interested in going to these folks' movies because they they make us look like savages in these movies anyway. So we not interested. We not gonna fight our way to to support their Hollywood industry. We not. But you guys can go ahead. You can do that because we know you guys like racial equality, and we not interested in racial equality. We gonna make our own movie theater and. When we put our own movie theater up, we gonna be speaking Spanish in there and everything like that. And and then when the Arab get their own movie theater, they're gonna be speaking, you know, Arabian and then or Aramic, I should say, beloved, and then our Chinese brother gonna be speaking Mandarin and Man, it ain't not interesting. That's your fight. You'll go ahead and make that fight. And that was our fight. Because that was our advisors, beloved. Those folks from that village once again attach themselves to our influence and laws was changed and yeah, the walls of segregation was indeed tore down and again, beloved, that created a new revenue stream that went from our pockets, the money in our pockets and we put it into theirs right so we didn't know how to fight for economic equality because we had the wrong advisor so what we saying beloved is that we have so much documented history of our people being next to those folks and when you look back at history it never works out it never worked out well for us it just always seems to work out well for them like just imagine that right we're, we're fighting for civil rights imagine we're fighting to desegregate certain housing communities right certain residential areas certain apartment buildings yeah we got the right to live there and we're fighting to live there so we become a new revenue stream and now we look up and the small hats are they became our landlords and we're just the tenant you know we went into certain residential areas and when we got there we found out that they was our landlord they owned the property already we just became their tenants you know what i mean we begged for these loans and they said we can get the loan and we went to the bank they own the bank they control the finance in the whole town so they was assisting us and advising us to fight for these rights to be a new revenue stream for them and they connected themselves to our greats in this conversation we're talking about one of the greats Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., full of talent, voice, and influence. And if our brother, which is now an ancestor, would have stood next to a black-owned business, a black-owned product, beloved, it would have popped. He had the influence. The brother was so strong that he got up and he told the residents and people of Memphis 
we're going to stop buying Coca-Cola for a minute. And they stopped buying Coca-Cola for a minute. That's what came up with a new term. Next to giving our brother the term to be the champion of and to fight for, which is really your ghost, racial equality. They taught our brother the art of boycotting, which is called, you know, because we got consumer dollars and the spending power and the buying power. And that's the new label that they gave our people. Spending power, buying power, so you can protest and boycott. But they didn't say producer power, beloved. You got consumer power. Everybody else is being advised to go for producer power, but not you. You don't you don't want to be on the farms no more. You're fighting segregation so you can go and be a clerk and a janitor and you and everybody else is fighting to be a producer. They don't they're not interested in being these folks, clerks and janitors and they don't want to work for the city. They're not fighting to do that. They're not, you know what I mean? So that's what happened when you allow the enemy to advise you. You don't know how to fight for economic equality. You don't know how to fight for financial equality. It's not even in your brain. You know, I'm telling tell you something, beloved, because this is, this is interesting, right? This is very interesting. You know, money always flowed in America. Black folks always was able to get their hand on some money. Right, so much so that if you read the history books, you would see that there's a man named Jeremiah Hamilton. He's in there. He's a black man. He's a brother from Haiti, and he came to the Americas in the 19th century. Right, and he went up to New York. It didn't take him long. He became a millionaire. Now, just think about the concept. He became a millionaire. Right around 1820-something or 1830-something. Black man now. Millionaire. They give us a lot of movies in the village now. They give us goddamn... They give you Rosewood. They give you Roots. You know, you got goddamn 10 episodes, 10 series of Roots. They give you 12 years of a slave. They give you goddamn... (laughs) They give you Amistad. They give you everything. They have yet to give you the story about Jeremiah Hamilton. Because the brother went to Wall Street and dominated. And they're not going to give you that story. is because, see, they convinced many of our people that everybody was slaves. And if you if they show you that a black man became a millionaire. Because he worked on Wall Street in the 1800s. And he was an agent. He was a financial agent. And he bought property. And he sold property. And he was a hustler. So he beat a lot of white folks out some money. He beat a lot of devils out their money. And, you know, it's just what it is. It's the cost of doing business. And he died rich. But if they show you him, it's going to be real confusing because you're going to ask yourself, damn, I thought all of our people were slaves. The Civil War wasn't until 1860 to 65. And this is where they had the proclamation, um, pardon me, the Emancipation Proclamation. And they came up with the Confiscation Act. And you're like, well, damn. How did this guy? And then that's going to open up a can of worms. So they can't show you him. (laughs) So what they do is they become the face of financing. They tell you about trust funds and hedge funds and 
our children is going to school and junior college and four-year college and they're taking uh, business management classes and they learn about these hedge funds, but they don't know it was a black man, this very same black man, Jeremiah Hamilton, that created hedge funds. That he put the prototype together. All of that came from him. They're not going to show you him. They're going to show you somebody that's a leader from your village and an organization that they really own fighting for racial equality. And that's what they want you to be. Fighting for the ghost. This is why so many of those organizations, damn near, were anti-economic. They didn't own no businesses. They didn't join themselves with no businesses. They didn't do it. Meanwhile, the small hats that are advising you to fight for racial equality during this pandemic alone, more than 1,000 U.S. small hat organizations received federal funds for relief many of this relief in the form of loans the big ppp loans that everybody was talking about got anywhere between 540 million dollars upward to 1.3 billion dollars and that's their organizations but they're advising you to do something different you fight for racial equality and we're doing something else beloved how about that 540 million to 1.3 billion for the small hat organizations and they are only like two or three percent of the population and what about people 14 15 percent of the population how much did we get because we know many of these quote-unquote loans that came from the federal government ain't nobody pay them back ain't nobody give no money nah that shit didn't work like that so what did our people get what did our organizations get you do the math. You do the research. You got the goddamn famous advisor that you like so much. <laughs> what did you get? Just recently, beloved, the NAACP recently just announced that they have acquired ownership stake in Hello Alice. Recently, they just did that. Recently, beloved, the NAACP just announced that they will be given $4 million in grants to black owned businesses and provide them with mentorship as well for all who join that's recently beloved because of the new leadership now just think if our brother MLK with the influence that he had if he used these organizations that he was a part of and he was next to during that time and they acquired ownership in black owned companies at that time Think about it, beloved. If they gave grants because Dr. King was one of the leading, if not the top fundraiser of the country. That's why if you've noticed in the political world, when you see Barack Obama move around, they often compare him to MLK because Barack, like MLK, he, he as well had other writers writing for him. But we know that the great spirit put the spirit of influence on our brother Barack. So he can go anywhere and draw a crowd. And with those crowds came money. MLK had that same magnetic energy. And he could have leveraged that energy to raise that money to put through organizations to give grants to small 
black-owned businesses and provide them mentorship as well. But when your advisor is the enemy, it will never happen. This is why conversations like this, they have to happen. Separation is the only thing that we can do. We have to separate ourselves from our open enemy. We can't allow them to advise us because they're never going to take us to the true promised land. We have to have a black body with a black mind seeking for a black destination for our children's future, beloved. That's the only out that we got. That relationship with us and them, it don't work. And every time you come to this podcast, I'm going to give you an, an example after example after another example. I'm going to beat it in your head that it don't work. Because I know the future leaders of our destiny, of our future, is coming from our village. And we got to teach them early to, who to stay away from, who to join themselves to. And those folks are number one on the list that we cannot join ourselves to. Because they are, they are literally advising our people to fight for racial equality to this very day. They're talking about voting to this very day. And nobody's talking about financial freedom. But us. So this is our new walk, beloved. How about that? This is our new walk. This, beloved, is our new walk. We can no longer walk with the devil. And beloved, we're just fine with that. Peace and black power to your family. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out, man. This is Real Black Content Sporn Podcast. Beloved, this is Big VJ. I'm going to get it with you guys later. Peace. Thanks for viewing the podcast. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe to the channel on all social media platforms. Real Black Consciousness Real Forum. Black Consciousness Real Black Forum. Consciousness Forum. And we out this piece.